Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Thank you, Pastor Holly. Hi, everyone. How are you this morning? It's good to see you. I'm glad to be here with everyone. And I'm excited for our new series. We're jumping into a brand new series today. And uh, you can see we're calling it Shaped by Jesus. We kind of, we talked about this just briefly this last, this highlighted this briefly this last week. But this series is going to take us through what's called the season of Lent. It's going to take us through starting today right up through Palm Sunday and Easter, which if you haven't looked ahead is only about six weeks away. Isn't that crazy? We were kind of joking earlier this week about how fast 2022 is going. And so we're excited to jump into this new series called Shaped by Jesus. What we're going to do is we're going to look at some of the characteristics of Jesus and we're going to ask the question, how does my life line up with the characteristics of Jesus? So we're going to do this all within the context of this season of Lent, which we'll talk about here in just a moment or two. So in this series, we want to do a couple of things together. Uh, here's some overarching goals for us over the next couple of weeks. That we want to participate in spiritual practices that will help shape the way that we think and act. And so we're going to suggest some each at the end of each week. Uh, hopefully will be helpful in our process and growth with Jesus. We want to become more sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the things that we want to do all the time in our walk with the Lord. But we just want to say that from the beginning here. And the last thing is that we want to become more familiar with the character of Jesus. And I just told you how we're going to kind of do that. We're going to look at some of the characteristics of Jesus and asking ourselves, how do we reflect those characteristics? So today is the first Sunday in the season of a church of the church calendar called Lent. Maybe you're familiar with Lent and, and maybe you're not. Either way, that's okay. Lent is one of the seasons of the church calendar. Now the church calendar, if you don't know, is one way that the global church organizes different seasons and different rhythms of life, all centered around the life and the ministry of Jesus. The church calendar is usually more prevalent in uh, liturgical churches, more liturgical churches, churches like the Lutherans, the, the Episcopalians, Anglicans, and uh, in particular the Catholics. However, for uh, most churches like us, we celebrate the larger seasons in the church calendar, things like Christmas and Easter. And every once in a while, uh, we celebrate a few of the other seasons like the season of Lent which is what we're doing, or at least we're shaping our current sermon series around the season of Lent. The season of Lent is always 40 days before Easter's, and it does not include the Sundays. So if you're counting, you're like, wait a minute, that's more than 40 days. It doesn't include Sundays. It's, uh, it's meant to be a season of invitation. It's, Lent is not intended to be a burden or a requirement. It's not another way to de demonstrate religious performance for God. It's not an attempt to earn God's favor. The season of Lent is an invitation for God's spirit to deepen his work in us. It's a season where we ask some really kind of difficult questions of our own walk and invite the Lord to touch those areas. Lent is a time for us to recognize, as one author put it, how many and how subtle are the ways that we, quote, leave God and the true spiritual journey in favor of other pursuits, even those that may seem very noble or even necessary. 
I love this season because it is a season where we, I mean, 40 days isn't that long. We can get really intentional, maybe when we're not at other times during the year, really intentional about asking some really hard questions of our spiritual life with God. And the outcome can be pretty amazing. Maybe a primary question for the season of Lent is, how will I repent and return to God with all my heart? This begs, I think, a deeper question, which is, where in my life have I moved away from God? And what are the disciplines that are going to enable me to find my way back? So Lent is a season of renewed seeking and prayer, moving toward God, waiting on God. It's a season of being reshaped back into the image of Jesus. So as sobering as this season can be, and I don't know, the growing up, I always thought Lent is just a really depressing season. (laughs) We're supposed to search for where we're really doing not well in our relationship with God, right? Maybe that's how you've experienced Lent as well. But as sobering as this season can be, maybe in that kind of understanding of it, uh, it, uh, uh, it, in that it recognizes our own sin and rejection of God, it can also be strangely hopeful. Hope-filled, because there's always a pathway of returning to God, always. God is always extending a grace-filled invitation to relationship with himself. Whether you've been following him for your entire life, maybe you're exploring faith in Jesus, maybe you've never heard of any of this, the invitation is open to everyone. Even, Even now, God says, no matter how far you've gone, I'm always inviting you back. Praise the Lord. Isn't that incredible? I'm inviting you back to be remade, reshaped, back into my likeness, and to be renewed in my mercy and grace. This is the God who we serve. That's the heart of this series, talking about how we can be shaped and reshaped into God's image and likeness. So let's talk for a moment or two about the shape of our lives We're going to look at, uh, I said already, we're going to look at the shape of Jesus' life and constantly ask that question, does my life look like that? So let's talk about the shape of our lives. There are many things that shape our life, right? Lots of things. Uh, This week, I I read this great example of the kind of thing that can shape our life, and it was really helpful for me to think about. Uh, It was an example of the Grand Canyon. How many of you uh, have ever been to the Grand Canyon? I have great memories of the Grand Canyon because I visited the Grand Canyon when, before Christina and I were married, and we went to the Grand Canyon together, and uh, all these romantic memories. It's wonderful. I love the Grand Canyon. (laughs) So this example was, uh, it it said this, um, more than five million people visit the Grand Canyon every year. And no one seeing it for the first time can adequately be prepared for the stunning view. The depth of color, the scope, are impossible to describe. Pictures can't do it justice. One of the most spectacular geological sites in the world, the Grand Canyon, extends up to 18 miles wide, is 6,000 feet deep, and stretches for 277 miles, and contains several ecosystems. Geologists tell us that the Colorado River helped carve the canyon over many, many, many years, And the river cuts so deep that it reveals 40% of the earth's history. Isn't that incredible? Even today, the relentless flow of water continues to imperceptibly erode the canyon floor, deepening and widening the Grand Canyon. That's pretty fascinating to think about that, right? This massive thing is shaped in some part by this river. 
So whether we realize it or not, we are, there are seen and unseen forces in our hearts and in our minds too that work to influence and shape us. So our thinking, our values, our character are continually being shaped by many different influences. Some of them are obvious, maybe like our family of origin, or maybe our nationality, our education. Our life experiences, both good and bad, also significantly shape us. But there are other things that shape us as well. Our, our friends' opinions of us, our cultural perceptions of ourselves. Neuroscientists say that the internet changes the way that our brains are structured depending on how much time we give to that. Cell phones and social media change the way that we relate to each other. We all know this. There's lots of things that are working to shape us, right? But if you're a follower of Jesus, there's something else that should be primary in, your sh- in the shaping of every aspect of who we are, how we think, and how we act. And it's God. It's Jesus, and it's the Holy Spirit. Look at what 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 3 says. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God, as we have taught you. You live this way already, and we encourage you to do even more. For you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. God's will is for you to be holy. So when you think about the way that you're supposed to be shaped as a follower of Jesus, maybe the word that the Bible uses most often in that regard is the word holy. (laughs) So God wants to make us holy. And here's a question for you. Does that idea inspire you or make you cringe? (laughs) Right? Because it can be, when we think about holiness, we can all kind of come from different perspectives about what that looks like and what that means. One author I read this week wrote this, your opinion likely depends on what you believe it means to be holy. If you think that holy is a code word for well-behaved, you probably won't be enthusiastic about it. If you imagine holiness to be a grim, duty-bound existence, you might say, I'll pass. Uh, But in reality, true holiness bears no resemblance to those tired stereotypes. Holy is the word in the Bible that that, that the Bible uses to describe God's character. Holiness is is, is wholeness. We've talked about it in, in previous messages in the context of the idea of shalom in the Old Testament. All things being put right as it should be. Holiness can maybe be understood as our interior and exterior life syncing up with heaven's heartbeat. I love that concept. It shows up in life-giving words and thoughts and actions directed by God. Holiness is the life that God always intended for us to have. That you and I look like God, operating in his power through his grace. In short, to be holy means to be like Jesus, to think like Jesus, to relate to others like Jesus did, to know the Heavenly Father like Jesus did, to obey the Father like Jesus did. And God created us, each of us, for this type of life. Uh, a few months ago, we did a series on what we call, what's called the Free Methodist Way. Maybe you remember that. Uh, we looked at five value statements that our larger denominational family is, is calling us to and hoping that we can express in our living. And uh, we said that the basic definition, it started with life-giving holiness. Do you remember that? That was the first one of those. 
And we said the basic definition of holiness in that series is the idea of being set apart, right? Biblically, one of the chief attributes of God uh, in the whole of Scripture is his holiness, his otherness. And did you know that the words for holiness in the Bible occur more than 900 times? The Bible's really concerned with this idea of holiness. So God is holy in that he's utterly distinct. He's set apart from his creation. Uh, and he exercises sovereignty, majesty, and power over his creation. His character is flawless. His love is perfect. And his grace abounds. He is holy. So to reflect the true nature of God should be a, tr- a chief desire of our living. So as we begin to understand holiness in this way, it's positive, it's desirable to say that we want to know God so well that we think and act and look like him. And we can go after that. <laughs> That's the amazing thing. Have you ever thought about your spiritual journey like that? Determined to think and act and look like God, this pursuit of holiness? Uh, look at 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless for our, until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. 1 Corinthians 7 Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body and spirit. Let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. So we have the admonition from Scripture to live in this way, to order our life in this way, our thinking, our actions, to look like God. We talk about life-giving holiness because to our forebears, holiness was understood as a radical transformation of the heart and mind which resulted in fully loving God and fully loving each other. So if you want to ask, how am I doing in this process of holiness? This is a great reflection for these 40 days in Lent. How am I at loving God and how am I doing at loving those around me? Honestly, sometimes it's really hard, right? (laughs) Especially in the context of the culture which we live, which is very divisive and often uh, makes an enemy of someone who disagrees with you. This was considered the birthright of every child that I get to be different as a faith-filled member of God's family and that he empowers this all-encompassing holiness in the life of each of us. To be made holy brings freedom and life. It's what we were intended for What a message, right? Gets me all excited. It's like, okay, let's do this thing. (laughs) So we've started with the end in mind here, though, the idea of holiness. To think, uh, to be holy, to think, act, and look like God, this is wonderful, but we have to acknowledge that this pursuit is difficult and we can't do it on our own. And why? Why can't we do it on our own? Well, because part of the human condition that we all face is what the Bible calls sin. We're all born with a nature that is broken and sinful. A nature where we consistently choose to reject the way of God and pursue our own wants, our own desires, and our own glory. No thanks, God. I got it. Right? I want to be in charge. I want to be seen as the one uh, who gets all the glory. I want to be on the throne of my life. I'm going to take it from here. We are all, whether we want to admit it or not, sinful people. 
sin is an, is an obstacle in our spiritual life toward the pursuit of holiness. So I want to try to briefly understand sin for a moment because this will help us understand why the conversation around holiness is so powerful and the, the, the incredible gift that we have from the Lord. So in Hebrew, the word for sin is hatah. It's the, that's the primary word that is used in the Old Testament for sin. And the most basic meaning of the word hatah isn't necessarily all that uh, religious at its beginning. It simply means to fail or to miss the goal or to miss the mark of something. You probably have heard a number of messages about that before. There's this fascinating story in Judges that talks about how the Israelite army trained slingshot experts. We, you know, the, maybe one of the most famous slingshot stories is David and Goliath. It says that they could sling a stone at a hair and not hata, and not miss it or not fail to hit the hair. That's incredible, right? Just think if you, like, that's a world record. They should make that an Olympic sport. They just hang things from hairs and then just go. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there's, a, there's a biblical proverb that warns against making hasty decisions because you're likely to hata your way or miss your destination in the midst of that hastiness, hastiness, right? So in the Bible, sin is a failure to fulfill this goal, but what's the goal for us? Well, on page one of the Bible, we learn that every human is supposed to be an image of God. Someone who represents the heart, the nature, the character, the thinking and action of our creator. Boy, have we missed that, right? <laughs> That's the idea. And so in this way, seeing the world in this way, sin is a failure to think, act, and look like God. And we're all there. There are countless examples in scripture uh, that show us this very thing. Essentially, the Bible is trying to tell us that we've failed. Uh, we, have, we have failed human behavior. Our tendency towards self-deception runs deep. It's rooted in our desires uh, and our selfish urges that compel us to act for our own benefit at the expense of others. This is really hard stuff. And it leads to a chain reaction of relational breakdown between us and God and each other. This is the curse of sin, right? In short, sin has been a big issue for humanity for a very long time. And I know if you think about it, you can see this everywhere in your own life. In the, in the broken relationships of people all around us. Have you ever had a sin problem? <laughs> This is why in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul describes uh, uh, hamartia, the New Testament word for sin, as a power or a force that can rule over humans. In fact, in Romans 5 verse 21, it starts out like this. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, that's what sin has done. Ruled over the human condition and brought the human condition to death in the sense of that it works to break down what we're supposed to be like and how we relate to each other and how we think and all these other kinds of layers. But here's the good news, and I hope you get all excited about this because uh, this is the heart of the gospel and why we can actually be shaped by God and pursue holiness because this verse doesn't end here. Look at what it says. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise Jesus. <laughs> 
Romans 6, 6 through 7, just a chapter later. We know that our sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. I wish I could highlight that, underline it, like put it on a banner, like always have it in front of us, right? We were crucified with sin so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we, di- when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. This is incredible. This is an incredible reality. And the heart of what it means to follow Jesus is foundational for us. Scripture tells us that we used to be ruled by sin, but no longer. We used to live in this tension, a war between our sinful nature and what God has called us to be. But that sin has no power over us anymore in the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. God, in his mercy, sent Jesus to be the sacrifice that didn't just cover up our sin any longer, like the old sacrificial system used to do. Jesus' death and resurrection finally and fully put the guilt, the penalty, and the power of sin in our life to death. And maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because this could be like an Easter message, right? But I think it's so powerful and important as we think about this at the beginning of Lent. Go hard after what is happening in your heart knowing that sin no longer has the power over you that it used to. That it used to. We were given new life. We've been remade, renewed, forgiven. We are no longer ruled by the power uh, by or are slaves to sin. What mercy, what grace. This is powerful stuff. So just so we're clear about how significant this freedom in Jesus is, we all need to know that there is no sin that God cannot free you from or forgive you for. Sometimes we need to hear that. Corey Ten Boom said this, there's no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. All of this means that we can actually pursue the kind of life that we were designed for. It means that holiness is a possibility. Isn't that incredible? Holiness made in the image of God is possible through Jesus. We can think, we can act, we can look like God. We can relate to God and to each other in the way that God designed us to. And we should be thankful for that and go for it with all our hearts. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says this. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Just think, if we are all together pursuing this kind of life, what the Lord can do through this group of people who call Crossview their home, Right? God can lead us and direct us and move us in powerful ways to share this message and begin to renew the hearts and minds and lives of people all around us. That's what we are supposed to do. Last week in our, in our annual church meeting, we celebrated so many parts of what our church is doing and how many people are involved in that work. And I'm so, so thankful for that. And I just want to call, let's, let's keep going. Let's step forward even more. Let's step into places where the Lord is leading. It's only the Lord that's going to be leading. And maybe we're like, I don't know. That seems big and large. I'm kind of afraid. Good. Let's go. Our new self comes from God. The moment we put our faith and trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit creates this new spirit within us, a new nature made in the likeness and the image of God. I know 
Maybe you know all of this, but it's good to hear it again, especially at the beginning of this season, to be reminded of who we are. So let's briefly talk about a few practical things that we can do to to grow in holiness. Uh, I think the first, and maybe uh, especially over these next 40 days, the idea of making these next 40 days really intentional, uh, it might be really good to create more margin in your life. How many of us need more margin in our life? Almost all of us, right? We live in such a fast-paced world with the rise of technology and all the potential distractions that we have in life. Margin and space is so important for our ability to hear and be changed by God. I had a conversation with a, a friend, a pastor friend of mine this last week, and he, ha- he said this, we only have limited amount of time on earth, right? <laughs> we know that. And if we don't create time and space and margin to hear from God, we might not grow as much in this area of holiness. It's hard to look like God without spending time in his presence, in his word, in prayer, and in worship. That's what this whole idea of Lent is designed for, that we're setting aside some time We're taking away distractions in our life so that we can focus on what God wants for us. Be real intentional about these next 40 days. Whatever it might look like for you, prioritize margin. Schedule it in. For me, that's the way I have to do it. I have to put it on my calendar. Otherwise, I probably won't do it. Make it an important aspect of your daily life. Because when we create margin and space to hear from God, we'll better be able to walk with God through his power in the process and our growth and holiness that God wants us to live into. I think second, uh, look for ways to love people, to really practically actually love people. This is part of the heart of who we are at Crossy. It's the second step of our discipleship pathway that we're taking loving action on behalf of other people, right? This is a, net, this is a, a primary part of what it means to follow Jesus. The Bible tells us that the outcome of holiness is the ability to love God and love others. And so we, we, we all know that loving others can be difficult, right? And it can be hard. And if we're honest, loving our neighbors as much as we love ourselves is maybe one of the most difficult things of all. But there is something neighborly uh, uh, about love that holds this wondrous mystery of the gospel outward toward other people. Yesterday, I was taking our dog out uh, to use the restroom, and we have... A whole, bu- this neighborhood is filled with people who just got dogs. It's wonderful. So, but what happens is sometimes, I don't know, maybe the dogs are all in the same like uh, restroom cycle because everyone kind of comes out into their yards. And we had this wonderful like little dog powwow yesterday with about four couples. And we're like holding on to the dogs because they're all going crazy. And we're just talking together. And how wonderful it, it is that the our dogs have begun this this community relationship where we're getting to know each other. We're getting to care about each other. And we we talked about the idea of maybe having a barbecue where we just have everyone in the in the neighborhood who got a dog come to the backyard. We've got lots of space. Let the dogs run and we'll have a barbecue. And they're like, yes, let's do that. And they know I'm a pastor. <laughs> and they still want to hang out with me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do what we can to love others. And finally, don't do it alone. One of the things that we understand about the nature of God's existence is that God is relational, and scripture and experience show us that he extends that relationship to humanity. 
uh, to be holy as God is holy, we must be in relationship with the Lord, and we must be in relationship with each other. And it makes sense that we'll grow in holiness when we're surrounded by other people who are walking steadily toward that same goal. Being together is really important, whether we're in person or online. Committing to a family that's pursuing this together where we can receive encouragement is so vital for this. Eugene Peterson describes the Christian life as an apprenticeship to Jesus. And apprenticeships work better when we are learning from Jesus and from others. Where we're slowly, deliberately walking together, seeking the ways in which we can love God and love each other. Opportunities to do this together abound. Let's be real intentional about it in these next couple of weeks. So, this is the, the, the beginning of this series. The heart of what we're looking at and, and going for is to ask this question, how can we be shaped by God? The larger picture is the idea of holiness, which we now know we're free from the power of sin because of Jesus, and we can actually pursue. So let's do everything we can over these next 40 days to do that. Amen? Worship team, would you come back up? We're going to move into a time of worship and communion.